of you remembered to set your clocks forward. We forgot to remind you uh, last Sunday, then, and then uh, Christine, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, said, uh, you know that we have to set our clocks forward, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So uh, if I would have forgotten, I'm sure there might have been some of you who would have forgotten. And, and I know this morning's probably a little tougher than most because... Our bodies are kind of getting acclimated uh, once again uh, to this time change. You know, for the life of me, I really don't understand this whole time change thing. But uh, I guess I was told years ago I had something to do with the school kids and it being dark. But I don't know how much that helps in this region. But um, anyway, I'm glad glad you're out this morning and. And trust that your heart has been blessed thus far as we've uh, sung sung praises uh, to our Savior. We've been going through uh, Psalm 34 as a way of of looking at the comfort of the Lord amidst uh, difficult, uh, when one faces a a difficult uh, 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 or challenging times. Again, Psalm 34 was written by David. Uh, David had written this when, at, or at the time when, after he uh, uh, had fleed from uh, Saul the very first time, fully realizing that his life was that his life was in jeopardy, and he found himself. Um, uh, at the end of the at the end of that at the end of that part in scripture, he finds himself at the gate of the of the Philistines, and uh, right where actually Goliath was from, and in Gath, and and uh, then they start to recognize who they he, who he was, and he he starts to uh, go into this uh, this mental kind of breakdown. Uh, it hasn't been really determined if it was, if it was, uh, if it was real or if he was if he, if he was play acting, but I kind of lean to the fact that he was kind of play acting because it talks about him uh, on this particular song uh, uh, pleading to the Lord for deliverance. But uh, here we see where in Psalm uh, thirty-four. Um, his response to that and the things that he learned. And, and uh, we're going to be uh, picking it up uh, starting in uh, verse uh, uh, 15. He says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of broken heart, saveth as such be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bo- he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and, and none, of them, none of them that trust in the Lord shall be 
desolate. Let's go to the word, Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. We thank you for the instruction that it gives us. We thank you how we can know you in it in a more in a personal and intimate way, oh Lord, in each of our lives. And I just pray, Lord, that as we go through this, Lord, that you might uh, that hearts would be open and receptive to that to that which you have for uh, each and every one of us, Lord. I just pray that that your word would just go forth with clarity and with and with your power. And we just uh, we'll thank you for that. In your name, we pray. Amen. So, as I said before, we've been going through comfort in this particular, focusing on that. In the first part of the chapter, we saw comfort and praise, and then in His grace, and then. And then the comfort and the fear of God, and then in the promise of God, and then the comfort in living in the fear of God, and then uh, David gives out lessons and how lessons how to live in the fear of God, and lastly, the comfort comfort in God's righteousness, the comfort in God's righteousness. You know, it's an awesome thing to be delivered from to be delivered from a, a test or from danger or from an accident or you know, or at the same time or someone having the authority their skill to put them at risk to deliver another person, whether it be a law enforcement or, e, or EMT or or a, or a fireman. There's con, there's people that are are trained are trained in different ways to deliver people out of harm, and uh, but having that having that deliverance is not as an is a as a refreshing thing. Uh, just uh, just by uh, way of a quick illustration, uh, we were having a Sunday school picnic years and years ago at at um, at a state park. Um, and uh, at our Sunday school picnic, you know, we were all we were all swimming, and and uh, I had just done some 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 swimming, and and uh, Chris, uh, Christine being uh, pregnant with Julie at the time, uh, she said, "You want to go swim out to the to the rope and back?" And I said, "Yeah, I, I can do that." And so I went out there, and, not, and after just swimming for a little bit, and I got to the rope, and, and thinking I could just put my weight on it, and it would hold me. Well, it doesn't work that way, just to let you know. You don't, don't use it as a life thing. You just go right down. But anyway, um, and my body <clears throat> is not like any other body. I will. Either somebody's float and somebody's sink. Some people like can sit there and tread water just like this, barely moving their feet and hands, and they can sit back and relax. Me, I'm like a motor, you know, or else I'm going under. I don't know why, but this way God made me. I don't know. But anyway, so we get out there, and uh, and uh, uh, Christine stops, and you know, she's just, you know, treading water, and I'm like, okay, and then I start treading water, and after swimming, I start to get tired, and so um, she, my wife saves me <laughs> in that situation. And I don't know. I remember Steve kind of coming out. I don't know if he remembers, but he kind of met halfway to make sure things were okay, I guess. I remember I was, I was embarrassed, but, you know, I almost drowned my unborn daughter and my wife uh, at the same time. Because when you get in those situations, you know, you 
kind of get in that panic, and I was kind of just there a little bit, and you can't really control it. But anyway, uh, but it was a great thing being delivered. <laughs> it was an awesome thing. And thank you, Christine, for that. <laughs> but anyway, so it's an awesome thing. And verse 19, I believe, is the, is, is the focal point of this particular part of Scripture. It says, it says here in verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Many are the afflictions. We have afflictions each and every day, do we not? We have afflictions, well, I hope we do, we have afflictions with our own flesh, the world and the devil. We, we put on the full armor of God or strive to put on the full armor of God every day by spending time in his word and, and understanding what he's done for us and that... And so that we we are prepared for battle to that he can that he may deliver us that as uh, he can deliver us from our our afflictions. And we and we so praise the Lord. We so praise the Lord for that. But he only delivers the afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He's talking to the righteous. For there are two different folks in this world today. There are those who are righteous before God, and there are those who are unrighteous before God. Those are unrighteous. And, and David gives a clear, a very clear contrast between the two in this portion of Scripture. He focuses a little more on the righteous, but there is the unrighteous. And as I believe that that David, when he was writing this, and you know, thinking that he was at the end, he was at the enemy's gate, or you know, feeling the afflictions of a of a king that was supposed to be right with God, and feeling those afflictions of this man of the king, the sins of King Saul. And so we see here at the beginning here in verse verse fifteen some. Uh, some some words of uh, comfort here again it says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And so we look at this and we can have the we can be assured that we have com- we get, kind of gives us confidence and victory that he will deliver us he will give us that strength to go through. But let me let me just take a moment here and say well who are the righteous? Who are the righteous? Uh, the righteous are those who have been justified by God through Jesus Christ. Those who have been declared righteous before God. The men's Sunday school. We've been spending quite some time on this in, uh, in Romans chapter 5. The blessings and benefits of being declared righteous. So when accepting Jesus Christ as Savior by faith alone, we have repented. We have repented of our sins that he, and that he died on the cross and in our place and rose again uh, from the dead for our sins. And that Christ, the, uh, the Christ then who has taken our sin upon himself and put his robe of righteousness upon us. As it talks about over here in uh, Se- uh, uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter Chapter 5 and verse 21, uh, it says, for, for 
for he hath made him to be sin for us. Right? He hath made him to be sin for us that who that knew no sin, Jesus Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, that he might impugn or the ministry of what we call the ministry of imputation, where he, as we've said before, where he, he is able then to take our, our filthy rags off of us, our sin that, that he died on the cross for once someone accepts Christ, and then he immediately puts his robe of righteousness, and we are, uh, we are then de- declared righteous. So now the believer is not fearful of condemnation. In Romans 8.1, now there is no condemnation that which are them, uh, excuse me, that there is no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. But we are to then, but to fear and reverence our Lord and Savior because what he has done for us and the personal fellowship that we have with him. Because again, there is no condemnation. For the, for the unrighteous, there is condemnation. They are, the, they, are the in, they are an enemy of God. They have a fallen nature. They serve the God of this world. As so did you. As so did I. Before you, before you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And there's a lot of good people out there. It might be, you know, some rel- or relatives or or you know, uh, close relatives, or co-workers that you know, or uh, an employer, or an um, or, a, or or what have you, and, and there's plenty of good people out there. But you know what? If you were to go to a, if you were to go to uh, um, up north here to the county Grafton County State Prison, right? That's what they call it. Well, anyway, the prison in Grafton County. <laughs> You'd find a lot of nice people. And they're all convicted. Some of them murderers. The uh, two boys that murdered that older couple from Dartmouth, they're spending their life up there. You may, they might be, they, you know, they might be nice people up there. There's, you know, probably people you get along with in, in retrospect. But they're convicted. There are murderers. There are all kinds of offenders up there that broke the law. Just as mankind has broken God's law. For if God says in his word in, in, in James, for if you break one law, yet you've broken them all. That you've broken them all. It doesn't matter. So if you've, if you've I've mentioned this in Sunday school, if you... Um, have ever, you know, uh, not told the whole truth to your mom and dad ever and you're growing up or to a friend or what have you. You've broken every single law of the book. You might have, in the sight of God, you might as well have committed the, the worst possible crime that you could have ever committed that you would think that, would, that nobody could ever go to heaven if they committed that. It is because, it is because again, of of sin that mankind is deemed unrighteous before God it's because of their sin the sin that they were born with because of the of the fall of Adam and so for the believer though that they are declared righteous 
the righteous the, the righteous have the victory that as we go through troubles and that we go through things we can bless the lord the lord giveth and the lord or the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. We can rejoice in these things, and the world looks at us like we're crazy. Well, how can you rejoice? You have cancer, or you just lost somebody. How can you be rejoicing? It's because God is working, because God is in my heart, because he is sustaining me. Just how, just how he sustained David in, these, in this difficult uh, moment in time in his life. So the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, meaning that he is watching the righteous. His eyes are upon you constantly as a protector, that he sees all. He gives us protection and guidance. He sees us with his love. He sees us as his as being clothed in, his, in, his, in, in the righteousness of his son. He sees us. He's watching us. He has that love. We have that love relationship uh, with our Savior. He is in communication with us and us with him. And we have that bond, that bond through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that, that, um, that uh, he sees us with his, with his love, as God looks upon us, he sees us clothed in uh, his son's righteousness. He is constantly demonstrating his love and care for us each and every day. Each and every day. From every heartbeat that our heart beats, and there's a lot of heartbeats going on. Some are kind of really slow right now. You're probably around 40 beats per minute as you're kind of maybe still kind of waking up. I don't know. But anyway, um, every, every heartbeat, God's in control. The engine that, that goes through, that is not by mistake. He has his hand on your heart. He's, he's controlling those. He's in control. He's over that life and death. And also, he is list, he, for those who fear God, turn over... Um, back to, if you're uh, uh, go over to Psalm and 30, 33 verse 18 it says behold the eyes of the Lord is is not maybe but is upon them that fear him that fear him we've been talking about discussing fear as of late but that fear him that respect him that honor him that know him because you cannot fear God properly if you don't have a personal relationship with God. The only fear that you have outside of, outside of being unrighteous before God is the very fear of your, his wrath upon you at this moment. That at any moment, if your heartbeat were to stop or if the rapture were to happen right now, that you would be in the, you'd be in the hands of you'd be, God's wrath literally would be pouring upon you. And then literally, then eventually, pouring on for all eternity is being separated from God in eternity hellfire. And so we see here that he is he is listening. He's list, or excuse me, he is watching. He's for those who uh, uh, fear God. And then also we see in here in Psalm thirty four, 
not only as the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, his ears are open to their cry. Oh, isn't this so comforting? You know, his ears aren't like my ears and Steve's ears. Praise the Lord. We'd all be in trouble. His ears are open. He hears. He is wanting to hear from you. Uh, you know, I appreciate you know the way Hill has, has restructured. It gives me a lot to think about. They've restructured their services. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But their prayer meeting is now on Sundays instead of Wednesdays. Because, you know, they had a direction, a shift in that. Because prayer is important. It is vital. It is necessary. Corporate prayer is necessary. There is no greater comfort than another believer praying with you in a particular struggle. There is no greater. Because it's two, it's two believers between you and that other believer. And that other believer is comforting you in through through the Spirit of God that's within them, and vice versa. And, you know, yes, you can, have a, you can have that, you know, personal prayer with God, and it can be encouraging and comforting. But, again, there is just something about that. When you can hear that person's uh, love of God for you in a particular situation, there is no greater strength than that, I believe. When I was going through a... a, a you know, a trial or a difficult time um, that I was um, that was upon me and in school my my first year and I heard I, I got some disturbing uh, news from home and I got a phone call and it was kind of uh, later in the e- late in the evening and and my roommate he was watching me and or hearing me talking and I'm assuming he saw the distress and the vo- the way I was presenting myself. And uh, I remember this to this clear as day. I hung up the phone. We didn't have cell phones back then. We had the phones anyway. Yeah, for those sorry for those people that might not know that. But anyway, look online. Hung up the phone, and he says, "Ken, let's go." I'm like, "What I do? I'm in trouble." He put his arm around me, and we went down. We basically went into this closet, this storeroom. It was just a tiny little closet, you know, a little bit smaller than a bathroom. Lights were out, and he just began to pray. And I still remember the comfort and the love that God gave me through his prayers and, and, as, and as I prayed too. And so God, God his, the eye, the, um, his ears are open to their prayers. He wants us to pray. He wants to listen. But so many times, I think, over the years, um, in churches across America and possibly the world, it's quiet. It's all too quiet on Wednesday nights across America. For only like 30% of believers actually go to Wednesday night prayer meeting or actually make it a consistent, continual habit. And I know that there are situations and sometimes with driving and different things, but there was a time when one could have gone consistently in prayer to a prayer meeting. 
regardless. And so the, his ears are open. He, he hears our appeals and our, our laments. And if you go back to verse, verse 4 of this same chapter, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out from all my fears. You're going through a difficult time or whatever it may be. What do you do? You should be praying. You should be praying before that. You know, sometimes what it takes to get people in prayer is trials and tribulations. I mean, I'm glad that people come, but why not other times? But why not other times? After 9-11 in our country, the churches, different churches, I've heard stories in New York and different things, they were filling up. People were drawing their thinking, we're way past that now. You know, when, that, when the dust settles and everything else and you're through that trial, now you can breathe a little easier and we kind of tend to forget. And then we just kind of go back to our own fleshly desire and time frame. And if we have time for God, we can pray. Or, you know, we're a little too tired or our schedules are a little too busy or whatever it may be. But here he wants to do it. He wants to, he wants to listen. If you will, go with me over to uh, Psalm, and, um, uh, Psalm 118. Uh, Psalm 118, uh, verse 5. It says, I, call, I called on the Lord in distress. And you know what? The Lord answered me, and he set me in the large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You know, what greater way, I think, you know, if this lousy bill does pass that Steve was talking about, maybe this will draw people to Christ. Maybe the Christians will actually start waking up. My daughter told me, I didn't have a response for, but uh, this was a particular, I think they were pro, there was a, a, a demonstrations going on in Concord regarding a partial of this bill with uh, women in sports and different things because this whole bill that we're talking about here, equality bill, affects all that. And there were people protesting. You know how many people were pro- were trying to there and support it because uh, New Hampshire is trying. The our thankfully our state is trying to create laws that prohibit um, transgenders from playing sports. For the very it would just because it was an, obviously annihilate women's sports completely. You know how many people showed up? Ten out of our entire state. Ten, and which leads me to conclude I wasn't around or too young to know, but it kind of rem- goes back. I was thinking, how many people, how many Christians stood up in our country when Roe v. Wade was happening during that Supreme Court hearings? How many people were the churches praying? 
where the church is begging and pleading for, for something? I, I don't know. But, you know, to, give an, to go and to have an opportunity to stand up for righteousness, the time is not to be quiet. The time is the time because we need to be redeeming the time. Uh, Satan is all out for us. The, the Lord, is, I mean, he's, he's coming closer and closer. We know his, our, the Lord's coming. Time's getting shorter. But that time, it must be really, really short because Satan is just full force, it seems, on different avenues and different ways. And just the wickedness is on, seemingly on steroids. Just pick up your phone and go online. You just immediately see it. And so I, see, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Uh, in Romans 8, 20, uh, uh, in Romans uh, 8, uh, 26, Acts Romans 8 and 26, uh, quickly. Um, 26, and likewise, the Spirit also helpeth with our infirmities. We not what uh, infirmities we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercessions for us while intercession for us with our groanings which cannot be ordered you uh, we went over this months ago but basically is what it's basically saying here is that someone could be so distraught maybe as like david was distraught and we just don't know how to pray but we begin to pray and just you know plead out to the lord the lord the holy spirit maketh intercessions for us and he guides us so much so that god wants to hear our prayers even though they might be somewhat mumbo jumbo or can't we can't clear you know um, our thoughts might not be uh, straight or what have you and so the the Lord in, the God uh, God intercedes for us and then um, as it uh, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite verses over in uh, 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 Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10 uh, Hebrews uh, chapter uh, Chapter ten, verse eighteen, and that and, and do, 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 do. Let me get type one. Let me get there real quick. Yeah, ten. Uh, not quite. Sorry, it's not what I wanted at this particular time. But anyway. How we can have that uh, boldness to come before the uh, holy as the holy of holies. Wait a minute. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this is what I just started a little earlier. Okay, in verse eighteen. Now, now there, now where there is remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore the boldness. The boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ, him working by his shed blood, by being declared righteous before God. You have the opportunity when you pray to actually to, be, to go to the throne room of God. The unsaved do not have that. We can intercede on the un, before the unsaved. The in, 
you know, uh, and you know we you know see these massive prayer meetings and different things and people praying and and uh, but the only he only hears the prayers of the righteous. The first prayer that God ever heard you pray was a prayer of repentance and accepting Jesus Christ as a savior. It's the first one because he doesn't he doesn't hear the unrighteous. And so the the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. We and then it says over in James chapter five verse sixteen, just that confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, ye may be healed. That the effectual, fervent prayer of what of a righteous man avails much. Not only do we are to be declared righteous, we need to be living within that righteousness that we are clothed in to live righteously that we might avail much from our Lord because even as believers being declared righteous, if we live in a half, you know, a halfway point where God wants to spew us out of his mouth, living lukewarm or, or half-hearted and, and whatnot, we're living, or a believer living in sin or allowing a particular sin in their life, whatever it may be, God does not hear. Just, you know, God, you know, if, uh, if it says in God's word, if, um, if a man is, has a problem with his wife or a indifference to his wife, God won't hear his prayers until he gets it right, even with his own wife. And so um, God is watching. And he is listening. As we combine those two things together upon the righteous, he has his mind and his heart upon each and every one of you as us as individuals. It was amazing to me. Or I was just thinking this when, um, uh, uh, when Sarah made, had the testimony of how that uh, during the uh, revival time that everyone was praying simultaneously. It sounded like everyone was speaking in tongues, but it wasn't. But God heard them as individuals, and everyone was pouring out their heart in kind of in the same frame, praying for revival within our churches, within us, and for within our communities. The same, virtually the same topic. God heard each and every one as individuals, as if you were all alone in front of God and you were pleading before him. And so he has his he has his mind and heart upon them. Again, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to his cry. Remember that. Don't forget it. God is watching. That might not that might be a scary thing for some to think that God is watching as believers. But God is watching. His care is upon you. There is no place upon this earth that you can that, that God cannot see you. And then also, and then, in, and let's go quickly down to verse uh, 17 there. The, and then also the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and he delivereth them out of all their trouble. He delivers the thought. He hears the righteous cry of them being oppressed. He hears them. He said, well, why didn't he deliver them from when the martyrs, you know, when, when John Huss, I believe, was being burned at the stake, when the Spanish Inquisitions and the Catholic Church was just 
are persecuting Christians left and right. Why was why where was where why didn't God deliver, you know, um, the Christians from Nero or what, whatever it may be, or from or from the Christians from or deliver uh, the Christians from the KJB during the 70s and 80s when, when, when uh, church, the persecution of the church in Russia was at all-time high. Where was God then? Why didn't God deliver them? It says here, don't, aren't we reading this? He said here in verse 17, it says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them. Were they not righteous? Did you not hear them? Or is this just a nice little story to hear? No. I believe he did deliver them. He delivered them by giving them the strength to go through it. He delivered them by showing grace and mercy. The, the uh, pastor that uh, Steve mentioned in the in his prayer, sitting in prison, God is giving him the grace and the mercy. He's showing his family, his wife, his children, the grace and the mercy. He is showing his congregation his grace and his mercy. And if things go the way they might be going in our country, we might be seeing more of that here. And he will show us his grace and his mercy through very through difficult times and he will deliver you from that it might not meaning that he might not take you from it but you might go through it so then and we have to have the faith to believe don't be like the disciples were you know screaming at the lord lord delivereth because we're going to drown on this boat don't let it. Don't don't have God say to you, "O ye of little faith." <clears throat> and so we see here that God delivers him out of them all. That He hears and that and that uh, He sees. He sees because He loves us. We are His children. We are His. We are the. We are His sons of God. We are this. We are the sons of God. His love is upon us. And so in verse, uh, a well-familiar verse to us, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation but taken to you, but is such to common to man. But what? God is faithful. Faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted that which ye are able. The trial that you may be going through or maybe have gone through or the ones that you are going to face, uh, maybe starting tomorrow or when you leave here, I don't know. Only God knows. But he, but we'll, it says here, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. He didn't say he was going to deliver you. In fact, God, when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, he didn't promise you a bed of roses. He didn't promise you this this uh, phony baloney, what they call uh, lifestyle evangelism, or or not lifestyle evangelism. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I can't think of it right now. Pro- prosperity evangelism, the Charles Schuler that... Uh, doctrine of her, uh, uh, heresy that is, is preached or proclaimed in that uh, through him 
You know, saying, well, if you accept Christ, you are going to have lots of cars and lots of riches and and God's going to bless you and give you good health. And, you know, and boy, if if God's not doing that to you, your faith isn't strong enough that you must be under sin. If you have cancer, if you're battling this, God must be judging you. That's not my God. My God says that he'll make a way of escape, that he'll give me the deliverance, he'll give me the strength to go through it because my God is greater. My God is greater than the enemies that I face. My God is greater than the temptations that I face. My God is greater. My God is greater than the test that I'm going to take. My God is greater. And he will deliver not only that, he delivers out of the um, he delivers out of the pain and suffering as we come to him in prayer by his grace. He will give us strength to be delivered out of all of our troubles and to give you the strength to go through it. And even more importantly, as you share those strengths, excuse me, as you share those trials and different things with other believers in a prayer meeting, that you too can be even strengthened even more because now you have not one prayer going before the throne of grace, now but two. Think of this pastor that's being prayed for, That Steve, again, that Steve mentioned, that goes in the uh, pastor Estes, right? Uh, James Coates. James, I'm sorry, I want to say Estes. Uh, James Coates. There's believers all around, the, all around this country praying for him. And that's one of the good things with social media, a few things of it. But anyway, people all over, the, all over this country are praying for him. Just like, <clears throat> excuse me, no, not too long ago when our church was going through a difficult, uh, uh, difficult time with the tragedy, people were praying for, for individuals within this church. People were praying for our church as a church body all over, the, all over this country. And it's through those prayers still that we are here today. Some of you are still here. And trusting and persevering and not quitting and, not, and, and still uh, trusting and, and walking in the Lord. And so as we, again, as we... Uh, um, Uh, verse 19, he says, Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. God, as, we, as, we live, God, as we live as God's righteous in the sin-fallen world, we will have afflictions, but he will give us the strength. He will deliver us. You want to you, you you try that? Start being a, having a bolder testimony before the Lord and, and start to witness and to, and, to, and to see how God delivers and, you know, and works in those situations and not to become fearful of, of proclaiming Christ and to share Christ and just uh, give a word of t- and to see. And you might suffer in the sense not in suffer, necessarily suffer physical, but you might, you know, a verbal or or an eye roll, or whatever, or people might avoid, or avoidance, or whatever. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. 
do we? In reproaches, do we? In necessities and persecutions and distresses, for who? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. So as we, as we go through and we see our weaknesses and as we go through trials and we see ourselves weak and we, we call upon the Lord, we see God's strength going, working in and through the situation. But you know what? The unrighteous, all that we just talked about, have none of that whatsoever. The unrighteous, those who are trying to do good, those who are trying that when you, when you talk to them, yeah, I hope my, my good weighs out my bad. Oh, my heart breaks every time I hear when someone tells me that. They're those who are trying to good. They're, re, they're to rely on their own good deeds. Uh, uh, but you know what? They have God's just judgment upon them. In Titus 3, 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Right? But His glory and mercy, He saved us. So it's not by your works that's going to ever save you. It's not by doing good that can save you. It's not by sitting in this pew that's going to save you. It's not by doing all kinds of good things that's going to save you. Because you know what? Our, our righteousness in and of ourselves, whether you're righteous before God or unrighteousness, is what? Is all his filthy rags. It absolutely means nothing to the Lord. It is utterly, completely useless. Everything that I did before I accepted Jesus Christ, no matter what I did, and I'm, I'm one of those Sunday school babies. You know, as soon as I was born, I think they were having Sunday school. I don't know. Some of you might be in that camp, but I was just as unrighteous and just as filthy as, as that. No matter how, how many Bible verses I memorized, no matter how many awards I got, no matter if I got a little paper saying, you know, my attendance in Sunday school was this, or my attendance in this club was that, it doesn't matter. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going you're gonna to put all that good up there on that scale. It's not going to matter because you know why? Unrighteousness. It's all plagued with sin. Every, everything, uh, 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 one who is unrighteous before God, the very words, the very deeds, the very thoughts, their flesh and blood is all declared unrighteous before God. God's wrath is upon them. It's like pig pen, if you will. Everywhere pig pen goes, he has that cloud of dirt upon him. You know? Hopefully they don't cancel him. They'll probably do it. But anyway, um, he has this cloud upon him. And before I was saved, that's how I was. I had this cloud of judgment. God's wrath was upon me. 
as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old, God's wrath was upon me. I knew the difference between right and wrong. And so is it with those that, you, that know not Christ as their personal Savior. And our heart goes out to them because we know that there's a way to be right before God. So they're trying to do good and they keep on failing and mankind keeps on coming up with these new ways and, and different things. You know, you got to do this or you got to say this prayer or you got to you got to you have to rub this this piece of jewelry or you have to, you know, you have to bow down six or seven times a day at a particular time of day. You have to do, do, do. You ask any of those people, can you guarantee me that I'm going to heaven? Whether it, be a, whether it be a priest or an imam or whatever it may be, or even the Pope himself, can you guarantee me if I do what you're telling me to do that I, can, that I will go to heaven? If they are honest, they'll say, no, I can't guarantee that. And in fact, within the Catholic, very Catholic Church, it is a very sin for you to say that you know you are going to heaven. And so the unrighteous, we're going, the unrighteous, we are all born sinful and separated, for God, uh, separated from God. There is none righteous with all mankind. In, ver, in, Romans, chap, in Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 19, it talks about how there is none righteous, no, not one. Then it goes on to list the various wickednesses of the unrighteous. And just remember, each and every one of us were there before. You've broken one law, you've broken them all in the sight of God. God's wrath is upon them. We, uh, in uh, Colossians and chapter uh, Colossians and chapter three. Colossians in, in chapter 3, it says, um, verse 5, it says here, Mortify or put to, death your, put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh, On the children of disobedience, the wrath of God is upon them. The teens know all about the wrath of God that's to come. As God is after the after the rapture come, or excuse me, after the rapture, when God brings His uh, church home. God's wrath is going to be poured upon this earth like none other, without restriction, without mercy, without anything. It's just going to be dumped out. And he's going to pour his wrath first upon the, the, uh, his creation. His, this earth is going to be literally, we won't, you won't recognize it from the, from the water being turned, the majority of this water from our oceans being turned to blood from uh, prop, more than likely hailstones acting as meteorites 
uh, pummeling this earth, to having earthquakes that are literally going to move mountains, to have leaders being so fear for their lives, our presidents and rulers hiding in mountains and and cursing God, and why is he doing this? And then he's going to open up another set of vials, pouring his wrath upon mankind, sending boils and all kinds of fun stuff. His wrath. Because he hates sin. He, he can't tolerate it. And for those that accept it and, de- and deny the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the one that he, he as we were talking, as he, as he, um, uh, he commendeth his love towards us, he has, demonst- he has shown, he has revealed his love to you through his death, and, and you have chosen, no, I'm going to go this way. God's wrath is upon you. And so we see here, and then also in John, and quickly in John, Acts, John in chapter, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, uh, starting in, uh, just uh, in verse uh, 36. <clears throat> it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. We've been talking about being declared righteous as life with God everlasting. And he that believeth not in the Son, you choose to reject Jesus Christ because God gives you a free will to accept or reject him. He's not forcing anybody to do it. You have a choice. He that, he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. Think, well, wait a minute, I'm living, I'm not dead. No, he's not talking about physical life. He's talking about spiritual life. What's the opposite of life? Death. You will have spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. And, not the, and when we say hell, it's not the hell that, that musicians sing about. Rock musicians sing about. It's the hell where... You will be burned and burned and continuing to burn without burning up. That you will have that you will be drowning in a sea of fire where there'll be no light and you'll be in constant burning. And you will hear screams and there will be weeping or weeping of gnashing of teeth. It's not a fun place and it's not a party as this world wants to believe it, let you know that it is shall not see life, but the wrath of God, God Almighty, is upon you. Not because God's a vengeful God or a hateful God, or not because God is his love, his nature is love. It's who he is. But you chose to reject him. God wouldn't be a God of love if he didn't show his wrath. Just like a parent wouldn't be a parent, if they didn't show discipline to their children. And so, the unrighteous. Uh, just in, real quickly, in Psalm 34, in verse 16, it says, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
First, we talked about the face of the Lord or his face, his ears and eyes are upon the righteous. Now we have the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He sees your evil. He sees your rejection of the Savior. How many times you chose to reject Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? He sees that evil and the evil that you've done and chose to do it and to live in. And he's against them. He's not for them. He's against. And what to cut the remembrance of them off from the earth. To not to even to remember them no more. There'll be a day when Jesus Christ, when the final judgment happens, when he throws death and hell into the lake of fire, along with all the unrighteous, along with Satan himself, and they will be remembered no more. Remembered no more. We will not remember we we will not remember the unrighteous no more. Because he clearly states in that part of Revelation that he's going to wipe every tear away. We will not there will be no remorse at that point. <clears throat> because at that particular point, just a side note. That's right shortly thereafter the, the millennial reign of Christ where Satan will have deceived thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people and people that we will have known and have been willing to say, don't follow Satan, but follow God. And yet they chose to follow Satan, similar to what's happening now in a way. And there will be a great loss. And uh, God, we, and they'll be remembered no more. So, there is the righteous and the unrighteous. To, again, be declared righteous before God, one must be made right before God. It says the. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has taken that payment uh, for your sin already. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. It's simple. It's the, go- the gospel is, is simple. And that's what God w- wanted it to. That's what God wanted to be. You don't do a thing. You don't do any kind of action whatsoever. And just... Believe in what, who you are before Jesus Christ as a sinner. Repent of your sin and trust in him and what he's done for you and his death and burial and the resurrection. And you too can have eternal life. That verse that we're all familiar with, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us as believers and 
you declaring us right before you and the blessings and the benefits that we that we have and we saw a few of them this morning that your eyes are upon us you are watching us with your protection and in your wisdom and your guidance lord and and lord you hear our cries and and you we are and and as uh, as we uh, live a right with you that we are in fellowship uh with you and and we rejoice in you and and we know that as we face difficult circumstances, Lord, that we know your, your uh, presence in our life and heart. And we just so praise you for that, Lord, because, Lord, this world is getting worse and worse. And, Lord, we need your strength. We need your boldness. We need uh, your wisdom and grace going through and, and navigating throughout this sinful fallen world help us to be that testimony and to that light to those that don't know uh, know not you to those who are uh, not right with you to those who are unrighteous lord that they that they would just uh, see you exhibited in us that that they would turn from their wickedness from their sin from the wrath lord that's upon them lord that you have offered that that free gift of your love towards uh, towards them by your by your work on the cross, Lord, that they would trust in you as their personal Savior, that their sins would be removed, that that judgment, that wrath would be removed, and that cloth, that robe of righteousness, would be put upon them, that they too can have a oneness with the Lord. And Lord, I pray now that if there is one here. Lord, you know each and every heart more so than any of us and where they stand before you. Maybe this is the first time they've heard. Maybe this is like the zillionth time they've heard. Maybe they've play-acted for a long time and they really haven't trusted you. Lord, may, may today be their day of salvation, Lord. And I just pray that they would just go to somebody... Uh, within this congregation, even this hour, this moment, to, to ask that they, to know how to become a child of yours, Lord. And, and uh, we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. And Lord, I just pray once again that, you just, that we would rely upon you for strength and wisdom, Lord, that we would realize each and every day that your eyes and ears are upon us and that you love and care for us. In your name we pray. Amen.